The Richard Sherman podcast on PFF is brought to you by Superdraft Fantasy. They created a fantasy game for all of us. To all my PFF community, listen up. Player props are now available, and you can win up to 20 times your entry. Put your parlays together for all kinds of sports. I'm taking it to another level. I want to hook you up when you play. Double your deposit now. Get a $10 bonus when you deposit 10 using the code PFF at registration. Just download Superdraft and start playing now. They're even hooking you up with a free PFF Elite for a month or half of your annual subscription. Just download the Superdraft app on the app or play store. Use the code PFF when you create an account, deposit $10, and we'll match it with another $10. The offer is only eligible for new accounts. Superdraft paid fantasy contests are available in 34 U.S. states. Must be 18 or older to play contests in most states. Visit Superdraft.io for all eligibility restrictions. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. Don't you ever talk about me. Picked off. It is Richard Sherman. It's picked off by Sherman. Now, buckle up. Here he goes. And it is intercepted by Richard Sherman. Broken up. Picked off. This game is over. Hey, welcome to another version of the Richard Sherman podcast. This week, we have a special guest. It's not a player. It's not a former teammate. Not a draftee. It's my guy, Doug Farrar. Thank you for joining me. Hey, Sharon. We go back a ways, don't we? We do. We go way back from to the beginning. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I love to tell this story. It's watching you at rookie minicamp over a decade ago. I'm like, who's this skinny guy who's beating the crap out of everyone at the line at 25? I should probably watch him. And then uh, <laughs> things, things, I think, went fairly well from there. Right, right, right. They went, they went okay. You know, after, okay. you know. You, you 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 knock off the rough edges and uh, or you don't knock off the rough edges uh, and had a great time. Yeah, so we're doing a thing today where and you and I discussed it. I had sent you a Sauce Gardner play like three weeks ago because uh, I do these player comps, you know, and sometimes you really have to dig like who does this draft prospect remind me of that's in the NFL today. And with Sauce, when we're going to talk about first, it was like play one, play two, play three. Sure, next. <laughs> and I think you agree. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I had sauce on, on the podcast earlier, uh, earlier this year and he's great. And I watched his tape and I really enjoyed it. We talked about it. The only thing I got on him about is there were a few times he, he was in perfect position to make plays on the ball and literally just batted it away. Like, Oh, this is an easy bat down. It's like, catch the ball, catch the ball. You're in a dominant position. Go ahead and catch the ball. Like reward yourself by going ahead and, making the play that you deserve to make. And that's, that was my only, uh, my only gripe with, with Saul. So before we get into these five corners uh, in, in, in this year's draft, um, just real quick, I know you came in and it was, you know, a fifth round guy. He played, I think, two years at Stanford corner after moving from receiver and things weren't always, you know, great with the head coach, I guess. Right. I, not, right. not that I know anything about that. Um, when you, and I know you talked to, um, you talked to Sauce about this. You talked to McCurry about this. Like, what were the main transitions when you went from college to the NFL as a corner? What did you have to learn or work on or perfect? It, it's it's a lot of the nuanced stuff. You know what I mean? It's a lot of the technique at the line of scrimmage, the patience. It's the run fits. It's understanding zones and, and coverages, understanding the mirror technique of, of when you play a man-to-man coverage, uh, tackling. Tackling is a huge, is a huge part of the transition. Um, I think that's the part that that most guys struggle with or most guys think about when they're making the transition, like 
can I tackle? And, and you're not talking about tackling these receivers. You're talking about the 230, 240-pound back that, that you inevitably are going to have to tackle. And uh, that's the part of the game that guys really, really, when they're transitioning, struggle with. Because if you've played offense your entire career and haven't played any defense, then it's, it's tough. You know, it's really tough. And that's, that's, I, I'd say that's probably the biggest part of it for uh, a lot of guys. Well, let's get into Ahmad Sauce Gardner. I think we both are from Cincinnati. I think we both agree he's CB1. He's the alpha dog. Um, and I wanted to get into the way he was used, utilized last year, and the degree of difficulty that may have been different from other guys. And it reminds me, again, a lot of you because, you, you know, the LOB, you had Cam kind of roaming the middle, and you had er, you know Earl, the best post safety of his era, up top. Um, per Sports Info Solutions last year, Gardner lined up in press on 75% of his snaps. Alabama's cornerbacks, Josh Joby and Jalen Armour Davis finished second and third with 51% and 46%. So they had sauce in press, like to a preposterous level. Combine that with the fact that Cincinnati tied with LSU for the FBS's second most snaps and single high among teams with 261, only San, San Diego state had more. So you got the combination of a cornerback and press that much and single high which is interesting because the NFL is becoming kind of a too high league. So he's on an Island more than most as a guy who played a lot of press like with a, a single high safety. How much does that even amplify your uh, enjoyment of his game? It, a, a, a ton, a ton. I think it, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed watching him. I enjoyed, um, I enjoy his technique, you know, his, his competitiveness, his aggressiveness. Um, I even enjoy his personality, you know, because he has the personality of a corner. You got to believe in yourself. You got to be confident. You got to, you got to feel like you're the man. And uh, he feels that, you know, I think he, I mean, even in college, you're walking around with, with a chain that says sauce on it, like <laughs> ballsy move. And I, and I respect it. And, uh, and I think that's a huge part of, uh, of who he is and, and, and playing a cornerback position is being that confident, being able to, 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 to stand on your own two feet, your 10 toes, good, bad, or indifferent and and go to work um i think I, I i i don't necessarily think he played like single high man all the time you know they ran some three they ran some uh fire zone three they ran some three match uh they ran some man uh and i think that that really helped him you know what i mean that's his comfort zone that's his strength and so that's why i think they they put him in that position because hey that's when he's at his best Let's get to the play I, I sent you a few weeks ago where it was just, it, it became real. I guess it is Spider-Man meme sauce and sure. And here we go. So this is the boundary fade against East Carolina. And this is, I want to get into the fade technique because this is uh, kind of Mozart the way it should be played. So sauce is at the bottom. He's got his X ISO and I want to start. Do the play at full speed. That's just pretty. Then bring it back, kind of, kind of slow it down. Take me through. I'm going to run through this slowly. Kind of take me through the fade technique, which I and you know this. I talked to Chris Richard in like 2014 about the guys throwing boundary fades at you. We both just laughed, like, "What are you <laughs> doing?" Right. So take me through just kind of your thoughts as I roll this shortly or slowly. Well, just I, what, I, I what love it. I love his alignment. I mean, he has a, a, he's a, a full, almost a full body, a, a full half a man outside of the receiver. The only thing I don't like is that, that backing up at snap because I felt like he put himself 
in harm's way. Like he put him, he 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 put himself at a disadvantage that he didn't need to. Like this guy isn't doesn't seem like he's Devontae Adams or Doug Baldwin with his uh, lateral quickness or even Keenan Allen, uh, for that matter. And he gets in a great position here. And right now he does it. That's another thing that I, a problem I have with Sauce. He does a lot of like back shoulder fade look into like, oh, I'm, I'm going to look back while leaning on him. And that puts him in a position to make a play, a PBU, but not an interception. And mm-hmm. there, if he turns, if he turns around and looks towards the quarterback, the other, the other direction, I think he has, it. he has him boxed out to the sideline. There's not a ton of room for him to really, you know, make any kind of dynamic catch and Sauce, you can make an interception. You know, that's the bigger play. And I think, that's at the next level. I'm sure his DB coach, that's an easy fix though. You know, that's an easy fix. That's something you just got to, got to rep, 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 rep. And I think the next DB coach he has is going to really, really harp on that because that's the only part of his game that you're like, man, I wish he would have turned the other way. Like I wish you're in control. Bang. You know, you're in control. Stop worrying about the receiver. Now go, you know, it's a go route. You're in control. Turn around, catch the ball. Where are you with him compared to Sertan last year? Because Sertan, I mean, he had those same man match qualities. And if it was zero or two man or whatever, it didn't matter. Sertan was just, he was going to lock you down. He had that easy transition speed and he was aggressive and he seemed to have most of it on the ball. I guess I was higher on Sertan. Uh, I mean, if JC Horn and Sertan were in this draft, they would, they would, they would they have a chance to, to go one and two <laughs> in this draft. Like, they, 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 they'd be, they'd be the top prospects, I believe, in this draft. Um, but I think the the issue, um, the thing I like more about Sertan is just the competition level. You know, I mean, Sertan was doing it against SEC competition, against um, Justin Jefferson, against uh, Jamar Chase, against uh, uh, yeah, against Georgia, against Florida, against quality opponents. So you really got to see um, week in and week out whether it's real or whether it's just like Stingley, you know, Stingley and, and McCreary, you know, that's, that's why they get these high draft grades, even though sometimes you look at the tape and you're like, eh, you know, I, I felt like these guys might've played a little better than them, but they played against quality, better competition. Like you, some of the guys you're playing, you know, you're playing against, uh, even in the pac 10, you know, you're not playing the best receivers. You're not playing NFL quality receivers every week. So the, the scouts and the, the teams uh, look at that. Uh, let's get into Stingley from LSU. Now he's had injuries the last couple of years. I think he's played 10 games the last two years. You go back to the 2019 tip and you know, this everything you want in a cornerback. It's like, to me, it was like Tredavious or, uh, uh Stefan Gilmore actually, uh, especially in 2019 when the Patriots played like 49% man, but he was as good in zone as he was in man because he just had all the qualities to do it. Um, the stickiness, route matching, smooth transitions, uh, in 2019 for PFF, he led 34 catches on 92 targets, uh, five touchdowns, six interceptions, and an opponent pass rating of 51.4. In the two seasons since, 15 catches on 33 targets for 201 yards, 85 yards after the catch, two tutties, no picks, an opponent pass rating of 85.5. Not bad, but not the guy we saw before. Now, you've come back, I think it was the Achilles, right? You've come back from an injury to maintain your status as a shutdown guy, which is really hard to do. What are your thoughts on how he, before we get into the, the, the examples of what he does, what are your thoughts on how he can navigate this? It, it, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bit concerned because because it, it, it almost, I, I don't know if that freshman year was, a, was, a, was just 
an outlier. Right. You know what I mean? Or is that who you are? Right. Because since then, it's changed. And I don't know if it's technique has changed, if it's complacency. Uh, because that it, after his freshman year, he would have been a top five pick. And yep. rightfully so. He would have been rightfully so. But ever since then, it's been more, hey, we know you played well in 19, so you got to be the guy. It's like, well, the tape is not looking like you're the guy that we saw in 19. And so I think that's going to be the part that cautions a lot of teams because if you're not getting the guy from 19 and you're getting the guy from the other years, then I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure you take him before you take uh, um, Sauce Gardner or before you take McDuffie yeah. um, because, because that guy isn't as consistent. And like you said, the injury issues, anytime you, you're coming into the NFL off an injury, they're going to have the, that's red flags to these teams. You know, at the cornerback position, it's a it's one of those positions that, hey, if you getting banged up at corner and we're using a first round top 10, top 15 pick on you, ah, you know what I mean? It's, it's giving uh, teams a lot of pause. Um, is he an incredibly talented and athletic kid who played NFL level talent week in and week out? And, and even on his own team, you know, you see the cl- clips of him at practice as a freshman against Jamar Chase and against Justin Jefferson and guys who have a ton of success in the league. Like, could he go on and be one of the best corners in the league? No question about it. He's shown that ability. But it's just it, – his, his, I'm really interested to see his rookie year take. So, uh, just looking at the 2019 again and just the movement skills and all of that, Georgia moves into kind of a reduced split, and it, it's just no, my ball, forget it. Right. Um, but I think I think that's the benefit sometimes of being like like ignorance is bliss. You're young, you don't know anything, you don't know any better, you don't know, you're not thinking about getting beat. You have the confidence, you have the the bravado, and sometimes that wears off. Sometimes that wears off, and then you know too much, and then it's paralysis by analysis. It's like, what happened to that guy? Like what? Who, who started to talk to him? Who started to get into his ear? And, and like, why is he, why is his technique so different? It's like, no, let him be raw. Let him be that guy. Don't try to say, oh man, if you did this, or if you, if you moved your hips like this, or if you, you moved to this leverage, you'd be so much better. Like, because that didn't help him. Going to 2021, there was a play against Central Michigan where, and I don't, I, I don't know if the safety was supposed to be doing something, but it was this kind of like, you saw him jump maybe where he shouldn't and not really to great effect. And you see, I think maybe you saw a little more betwixt in between and maybe that is that you know, people getting in his ear or overthinking or like, Oh gosh, now I've been injured these two years and I was CB one and now I'm CB two or three. And Oh my God. I mean, can, to, because as you obviously know, the subtleties of being an elite corner, if you go from hundred to 90, it's a problem. Right. Right. And, and that's, it's, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, a cornerback is a, is a, is a really high anxiety position in general, in general, (laughs) like it's probably one of the most stressful positions in football and week in and week out, you're expected to do a job that you can play 60 snaps of and one snap can ruin your day. You could have 59 great and one bad clip and you're a bad player. And, and, and now with social media, and I'm sure people have been talking crap to him. You know what I mean? Like the younger you are, the more that stuff kind of affects you. The older you get, the more the the, the more you're able to callous up and say, yeah, like I'm not taking 
I'm not valuing anybody's opinion. I'm not taking criticism from anybody that I wouldn't take advice from. You know, you you don't even have a you don't have, even have a picture on your profile. I'm not I'm not you you saying I suck. I got doesn't doesn't move the needle for me for it. But a young kid who kind kind of is getting in his head, it's like, man, you don't even get any pics. You don't get any pics. You haven't got any pics since your freshman year. Then you start getting over aggressive. In that clip, I think it was Palms coverage. It, it, I'd have to watch it over and over and, and really, but it looks like the safety's busted, you know, because there's no coverage where both safeties are running to the middle of the field and corners are jumping a flat. I, 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 and I'm not, I'm not going to give him. He's just um, that he's just jumping a flat route on third and thirteen and 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 not understanding the sticks. But I can see uh, back to the flat, and I can see like it could be a Palms, but I just don't see why the safety would play it that way. You know, and on the other side, it looks like they're playing quarters. So it, it could be quarters, quarters, and he's being aggressive, or he could just be thinking, hey, you know, I got something. But I think that's that goes back to the mentality. Like, I got to make a play. I got to prove I'm the number one guy. Like, I, I have six picks my, my freshman year, and I haven't gotten one. Like, I, we're playing Central Michigan. Like, this is my chance. Like, I can, I can get one this game. Like, I know they're scared of our D-line. I know our rush is hot. Like, I, 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 I need one, you know, and, and, and I think you start, you start getting, you start straining, you start reaching, you start guessing. And, and that's the worst, that's the worst possible time. And that's why, you know, once he gets drafted, things change a little bit. They, they not ease up, but now your, your expectation, you're in the league, you know, hey, you're expected to perform, but this is the league. You're not playing Central Michigan where it's like, hey, if I don't get to pick against Central Michigan, like they're going to think I'm weak, you know. No offense to Central Michigan, all you fine folks out there. All right, you right, right. No, uh, no offense. The kid from LSU playing SEC football, he's expected to make a play that game. Uh, what I about watching, what, yeah. watching tape what, with you? And, go ahead. What about for you? Because I, I see you, you, you're doing your breakdowns, you're doing your draft prospects, and you came out with your offensive tackle rating. Yep. And you did not have icky one like everybody else. Tell me about that. <sighs> It was there. Well, there are there are parts of Icky's game where I just go, "Oh my god, I love this guy so much." He had there was one play where he he got like ten yards, twenty yards downfield, blocked one guy, turned, blocked the other guy, turned back, blocked the other guy. I think he's almost mythical in his power uh, to the second and third levels. Uh, the pass pro needs a little bit of work, but you can understand that. It's sort of that um, like Taylor Moton of the Panthers. Uh, who he'll just, if he gets his hands on you, it's over. Um, I had Charles Cross as my OT one because it's a passing league. And I think Charles Cross is the best pass blocking uh, offensive tackle in this class. And he's got enough sand in his pants to do stuff in the run game. Um, Evan Neal was number two. He, my cop for him was Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth, because wherever you put him, he's just, he's easy. He's plug and play wherever you go. Icky, I love Icky's game. It wasn't so much that I thought Icky was bad. I just, I when I saw Ch- Charles Cross has uh, something I expect from cornerbacks, what I call match feet. Wherever you go, I go, and my feet lead the way. It's exceedingly rare for an offensive tackle to have that. And with Evan Neal, it's not, I mean, strength of competition, yeah. But with Neal, it was more wherever he went, he was great. And with Icky, uh, he was my OT3, yes. That's not really denigrating him at all. It was, okay, cross because it's a passing league. He's the best pass blocking tackle. I, I rose him up 
in order of importance of, of what the NFL needs right now. And you, and, and even in your receiver rankings, like I, I, that, I can understand that. I can understand that yeah. because you got You got to have that consistency, um, but you're going to get a lot of flack for that because you know, when, when somebody's a consensus for a lot of guys and, and people are considering him to be one of the number one picks in the draft, um, you know, I, but I hear what you're saying because there are, are, are you know, Trevor Penning was my OT seven. I thought I'd get more crap over that. <laughs> there was like, oh my god, he can lift a building with his bare hands. It's like, okay, yeah, but watch him. I'm sorry, but watch him in space. Right. I really like. I really like your receiver rate rankings, though. You know, that I really was, like Drake, uh, Drake. Mark Schofield, by the way. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. I, I like Drake London. I like Gary Wilson. I mean, I think I still have Chris Olave. Um, over Gary Wilson, but I mean, Jamison Williams, I just wish we would have got to see him run. You know, I mean, oh. he could be, he could be four, two, but he could be four, five and just, you know, play, play really fast. I mean, it really doesn't matter because game speed is outstanding. When I, when the chiefs traded Tyree kill, my first thought was, okay, I want to go back and look at, at, at Jamison and the skill set is it's pretty eerily similar in what he can do. Not only deep because the chiefs didn't throw deep a lot last year. It was, you know, it was like, you know, 8%, whatever. Um, it was a lot of, you know, stick, glance, post, you know, or not post slant, just go, you know, right. demolish people that way. Um, yeah, so speaking of, you were talking about with Stingley, oh, he didn't have any picks. The next guy on our cornerback list, uh, Trent McDuffie, real, and I know you like him, real interesting guy. He had just two interceptions in his collegiate career, which goes to show how some people overcook interceptions as the ultimate arbiter of defensive back excellence. I know you and I have discussed this before. Uh, one pick in his freshman season of 2019 has also four touchdowns. Over the last two seasons, he has one pick, but he hasn't allowed a touchdown on 44 targets and an opponent pass ratings of 52.1 in 2020 and 52.0 in 2022. That's pretty consistent. Now, the thing I like about McDuffie, I'd like to get your take on this. He plays, he, and I don't want to say plays, like I don't think he should move to safety, but he thinks like, like a safety in when he comes down to close, he's not looking to deflect the ball. He's looking to kick your ass, which right. is kind of a different philosophy and just mindset for a corner. What do you like about his game? I, I like that. I like the physicality. I like that he plays bigger than his size. I like that he's aggressive. He's aggressive. He's aggressive. I really like the confident, aggressive corners because in this day and age, like you're going to have to be there and you're going to have to have a short-term memory because they're going to throw the ball a lot at a, as a rookie corner. I mean, I really love to watch, even as a pro, Patrick Sertan's tape and JC before he got injured. Like Sertan's tape is teach tape. Yep. And the fact that he's a rookie, like, I mean, you can literally make technique teach tape from his game tape, yep. his press, his off, and it's week in and week out. And he's not intimidated. It didn't seem like he was intimidated by anything. And that's nothing what I love about Nothing is too big for him. Nothing is nothing too big. Is, nothing is yeah. too big. The only thing I, I'm concerned about, about McDuffie is, again, outside of Drake London, who did he play against? That, that, that you're saying, hey, at, there's an NFL comparison at the next – comparable at the next level. Like, I need to see you go against more NFL, you know, level receivers. And not to say, you know, Pac-10 just doesn't have them right now. You know, I have Pac-12 um, just doesn't have a ton of them. And so that's the only thing that concerns me and, 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 and gives me a little bit of pause. Because even, even with Sauce, you, you saw him play Notre Dame. You saw him play uh, Bama. You saw him play in the college playoffs. So you got to see him play against really elite talent. Uh, 
even, even if it was only a few times. You got to see it. And I just don't – I'm not feeling like we got to see him really challenged in that way uh, where you're like, man, he really went to work against a real NFL guy. And when that happens, you have to, and you know this, uh, obviously, you, you, when it, the opponent is not, you know, and you know, it's like small school guys, did you dominate? Uh, Pierre Strong Jr., South Dakota State. If you haven't watched that guy, he's like, like LaShawn McCoy Jr., but mm-hmm. you have to like really look at it. So with McDuffie, okay, so you look at the traits, and this is against Arizona. This is off. And I, this is where I thought, uh, I remember watching tape with you a long time ago. And that one, I don't remember the Rams quarterback where Earl came from like across the field. Earl was running a three, eight Well, check this play out. This is against Arizona. This is him off and watch the way he crosses the field. This is just pretty. So he's up here. He's way the hell off. Okay. This is a reception. But it's a one-yard catch, and he's the reason why. Right. He's up. He's way up here. He's like ten yards off, and he just comes screaming down on the crosser. Boom! You're not. And I think anymore. I think playing for UW, you know, obviously UW has put a few corners out. You know, you know, most notably, um, I think Marcus would be um, one of the best they put out in in a while. Uh, and, but. I think them playing man coverage a ton, you know, that's attractive to, you know, they play a little zone, they, you know, they're well coached, but you know, coming out of UW, they're going to be well coached and they're going to be used to playing man. If you, every team is playing man to man on third down in the national football league. So if you need a man to man corner, you're usually looking at UW and this kid is the best they got uh, right now. And for what you're saying, his closing speed and his instincts are, are great. You know, if he was two inches taller, I mean, we'd be having a whole different conversation. Roger McCreary, uh, one of two cornerbacks in this list who have appeared on the Richard Sherman podcast, along with Sauce. Uh, I, I loved his appearance. He was just such a nice, humble kid. And I love that his mom played linebacker and had the nickname for Icebox. Icebox. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome. Icebox. That was awesome. Well, let me ask you this. Arm length of 28 and 7 eighth inches is the second lowest of any combine-invited cornerback since 1999. Boise State's Avery Williams uh, in 2021 was the only corner with shorter arms at 28 and 3 quarters. Most of the guys with arms under 30 inches didn't have great NFL careers, although there are exceptions. Uh, Quandre Diggs, a guy I would have loved to see you play with, uh, is the most prominent. But the short arm thing, uh, what was your arm length, by the way, at the combine? Uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, uh, it had to be way over, you know, 30, because you're just a you know, long. Right, dude. I think it was like 32, something like that. Because yeah. they, they did a big feature on me and Brown. I want to say it was 32, but I'd have to yeah. go look. So the short arm thing, how does that show up overall for cornerbacks? And do you, when you watch his tape, does it show up? It, it doesn't show up in his college tape, you know, and that's that's what I, that's, that's, that's but, but again, that doesn't mean it won't show up on his NFL tape. You know, I think the arm like, it's, it's because when you spread your arms out wide enough and you're impressed, the receiver has to get outside of this frame, outside of this frame. Like, he has to get outside of my full length. And the shorter that length is, the, the, the shorter is the area that he has to go around. And I think he does a great job. He has, he has quick feet. Um, he has good off technique. And I don't see it really as an issue majority of the time. You know, I think that's, a, that's, that's one of those – um, Joe Burrow has small hands, you know, kind of deal where you're like, like some of these measurables, some of these things, these, uh, the things that they're using to assess, you know, are, are becoming a, a bit archaic. Like you're going to have to find different ways to evaluate these things because 
like that's not really showing it. Yeah, I'm sure it, it works to say, hey, guys with short arms don't do well. Like, uh, you know, I, I hear you guys with small hands don't play quarterback well. Like, I hear you, but like I'm not, I'm not accepting that as a, a big limitation or a big something I'm really thinking about to say, man, I, I think he's going to have issues at the next level. I think he'll be fine. Well, it was like when I was doing offensive tackles and a couple of guys like the Arizona state kid and, uh, uh, Lucas from Washington state, the right tackle. It's like, okay, they're not power guys. So you better have your technique together. And they did the thing with McCreary and it, it, it just showed up in all different, you know, it, he had a, a rep against Alabama where he just followed the drag route, got inside. He was outside at first and then he closed it in deflected. I'm like, yeah, he's sticky as hell. He's got Velcro. And there was one, we talk about man and the ability to play man through the route. And there was a play against Alabama. This is, I believe, motion. Yeah. Motion to bunch. He's 23. He's in the slot. And it's just, you know, they got the inverted pyramid thing going there. And it's, this is my guy. This is all the way through. No. Bye-bye. Try again. And does that all damn day long i want to bring up another one the the drag route deflection this is just pretty it's 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 just (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna see out of here 23 he's pressed and watch him come in and just nuke it my favorite part of that is his patient his if you're that close to the receiver i don't care how long your arms are Right, exactly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's not going to that's not going to have an effect on on your success. And I think he's going to end up being the steal of draft. He's going to be end up being the guy where we're like, how did he go that low? Like, what were what were guys looking at? Because I think again, like like Sertan, you know what I mean, and and like Stingley, like he's playing NFL level competition week in and week out, week in and week out, and he's showing up. You know, he's not. He, I think he had one game where I was like, you know, he kind of had a long game. But having a bad game or bad-ish game where he gave a few catches, and sh- that shows more about who he is as a player and who he's going to develop into than a great game. Because a great game, he's feeling good. Like, yeah, he's going to swagger around. But after he gives up a couple catches, who is he? After, he? after he gets beaten, his team's down, who is he? Like, is he pointing the finger? Is he a guy that whose technique falls apart? It, does, he, does he start making stuff up? Does he start, does he start gambling? Like, does he start jumping stuff that he, you know what I mean? Like, what does he do? Does he stay sound in his technique? And a lot of times you see that from him. Regardless of what's going on, he comes right back to his fundamentals, to his base, and he makes the play. You talked about paralysis by analysis, which I can only imagine at the NFL level, at the elite cornerback level, how hard that is not to do because the, the precipice is just, it's so easy to fall off. <laughs> Watch that tape with you in 2015. I asked you about your philosophy and you said, you got to let your nuts hang. I think he does that well. I think he just, you, you know, he stays in phase. He knows what he can do well. He knows what he can't. And these guys, you know, you have to develop adaptive strategies for the things you don't necessarily do well, or your body's not built for, or you just don't know yet. Correct. Correct. And you just, you can't chase plays. You can't chase plays. That's, that's the part that gets young guys in trouble is when you feel like, man, I need to make a play. I need to get an interception. I need to, like create a stat, like they'll come. If you do your job long enough and you do it the way it's supposed to be done, the ball hits you in the face. 
Uh, our final draft eligible cornerback is Andrew Berth Jr. from Clemson. And this, he was a fascinating watch because he comes down hard. He's kind of like McDuffie in that way. He can nuke a screen and all that. But I don't know. I wasn't able to get like the percentage of off coverage that they played last year, but it was a lot. It, it had to be like, it's all over his tape. And fortunately, he's really good at it. But when you're playing a ton of off, I don't mean like a yard off. I mean like 10. What are the important technique points if you're, you know, maybe not asked to do that in college and you come into the NFL and all of a sudden they're like, well, you need to play off more. How do you, how do you kind of get to that? I think it's easier to teach press than it is to teach off. Yeah. I think, I think at the end of the day, if a guy has played a lot of off and, and he has the, the length and, and the speed and the footwork to press, like you can teach him that. You know what I mean? I, I can teach I can teach a guy to hey stand here, let's work on his footwork, get your hands on a guy, let's control position, eyes on low hip. But to to have a guy who doesn't play off well and think, hey, I'm gonna teach you how to play off, it takes a long time because it's it's reps, it's eyes, it's eye placement, it's being patient, it's it's reading a three-step and then transitioning back to the wide receiver and then being being when that transition happens, being ready to break. And being ready to break on the slant or the out or the hitch, uh, and I think that's something that Clemson has always done. Clemson has always had their corners playing off technique, and that's why you oh, they, they've always had a lot of good ones. Now they they can also press with the best of them. But I don't think that's an issue. I don't think that's as big of an issue, and 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 I don't think a team would sit there and be like, man, he's playing a lot of off. Like we're we're a press team. Like well, we're not going to be able to grab him. They, he can be taught. You know, he can be taught press technique. Well, if you're an NFL DB coach or a defensive coordinator, you're, you're thinking what I think you're saying is if he's playing a lot of off, I might find that more appealing because even if we play press a lot, well, I can teach him how to do that more easily than the, the off skills. Exactly. Okay. I, I, I would, I would feel more comfortable being able to, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like teaching a, a running back, um, to, to, to pass protect. Like, you, if they have the willingness, you know what I mean, to, to go up in, in there and put their face in there, I can teach you the technique of it all. And I think there's there's a great – there's a great patience and poise. And, and there's there's a little bit of anxiety in playing off, you know, because you've got a lot of space. They can do a lot more. They can sell a lot more dreams. When you're pressing, you're, you're not getting a lot of the the, the irky, jerky, the, the um, stems and – because you're on their shoulder. So you're not even, they're not even selling you with the stems at that point when you pressed on them. So I think, I think he'll be fine. I think he's a good corner. I think this is a really good corner class. I do think that the, 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 the top of last year's corner class is a bit stronger, but I can't be proved wrong. Well, great stuff. Uh, I was I was thinking to myself, well, I want to do some videos on corners. Who should I talk to? Maybe a guy who knows a little <laughs> bit more about it than I do. Um, Sherm, as always, thanks so much for the time. Uh, really appreciate it. Richard Sherman podcast is great. Of course, everyone should check it out all the time. And uh, thanks again. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll catch you on next time. The Richard Sherman podcast on PFF is brought to you by Super Draft Fantasy. They created a fantasy game for all of us. To all my PFF community, listen up. Player props are now available, and you can win up to 20 times your entry. Put your parlays together for all kinds of sports. I'm taking it to another level. I want to hook you up when you play. Double your deposit now. Get a $10 bonus when you deposit 10 using the code PFF at registration. Just download Superdraft and start playing now. They're even hooking you up with a free PFF Elite for a month 
or half of your annual subscription. Just download the Superdraft app on the app or Play Store. Use the code PFF when you create an account. Deposit $10 and we'll match it with another $10. The offer is only eligible for new accounts. Superdraft paid fantasy contests are available in 34 U.S. states. Must be 18 or older to play contests in most states. Visit superdraft.io for all eligibility restrictions. All right, it's that time of the day again. It's that time of the podcast again. The Super Draft Super 15 contest. Unfortunately, we don't have my guy Mitch Eisenstein on here to catch the ale that I want to give him, but I'm going to give my picks anyway. The Nets, Kyrie Irving over under 26 and a half versus the Cavaliers. I expect Kyrie to be warming up for the playoffs. I expect him to be over. He messed a lot of games this season. He has a lot of catching up to do. The Nets, Kevin Durant over under 30.5 versus the Cavaliers. I expect under because I'm not expecting him to really try to go off, give it to Kyrie, let him really keep getting his sea legs under him and get super hot and be trending this way for the playoff. Trey Young over under 29.5 versus the Heat. They need this game. The Heat are going to be, I mean, for, for lack of better words, hot going into the playoffs. I expect him to be over 30 and give his team, the Atlanta Hawks, the best chance to win the game. But y'all, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram. Let me know your picks. Let me know how you're feeling about it. Give me more suggestions for what we should talk about on the show. I appreciate y'all. If you're not already doing so, hit the subscribe button. Appreciate y'all joining me. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. People traffic.